between the years when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of, when shining kingdoms lay spread across the world. Hither came Conan, the Cimmerian, sword in hand. It is I, his chronicler, who knows well his saga. Now let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Welcome to Hither Came Conan, the podcast that often wonders if Conan would enjoy a movie like, I don't know, Monty Python in the Quest for the Holy Grail. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and I personally think that Conan would be a big fan of the Holy Grail. You know, once he got past the whole moving pictures aspect, but I think he'd really dig it, especially the Black Knight scene. I've had worse. You liar! Come on, you pansy! So today we're going to take a look at Conan the Barbarian, issue number 14 from Marvel Comics. This issue sports a cover date of March 1972, but it hit the stands in December of 1971. It sold for just 20 cents, and it is entitled A Sword Called Stormbringer. It was written by Roy Thomas and plotted by Michael Moorcock and James Cawthorn. The pencils were done by Barry Windsor Smith, the inks by Sal Buscema, and the letters were by John Costanza. Into the boat! After the events of last issue, Conan has traveled far and now finds himself riding through Koth, the southern neighbor of Zamora, when he comes across a group of hooded men chasing a fleeing woman on horseback. Conan being Conan, he rides to her rescue. The hooded men ride red horses with beaks and just the touch of one of their swords knocks Conan on his ass. But before they can finish him off, a flock of giant eagles swoop in to chase the men away. That's a flock of giant eagles, not a flock of seagulls. The girl turns out to be Zephra, daughter of the wizard Zukala, whom Conan met back in issue number five. Zukala had foreseen the coming of Conan, and so Zephra was out looking for him, seeking his aid with a very important task. And so she takes Conan back to her place. Do you want to come back to my place? <laughs> yeah, all right. Once they arrive, the barbarian finds that Zukala, now without the power of that freaky mask he had in issue five, is now a frail old man. The wizard needs Conan's help in defeating the evil of the wizard Kulin Gath. He asks Conan to go to the city of Yagala, which has been transported thousands of years ago from another dimension as a jail for the dead but not quite dead body of an evil sorceress and empress. I'm not dead! Zukala enchants Conan's sword and Zephra guides the barbarian to the city. The wizard then turns his attention to the chaos goddess Zombarg, who is preparing to send her captain, Gainar, after Conan. Zombarg senses Zukala's spying and breaks the connection. Sometime later, Conan and Zephra encounter a traveler from Yagala's dimension, Elric of Melnibene. Conan assumes the Pale Rider is his enemy and attacks. Conan is unable to best the magically enhanced and armored Elric, 
and both parties stop fighting when they realize neither is working for Zombarg. Suddenly, the undead forces of Gainer attack. A vicious fight begins, only ending when Zephra uses her magic to call forth a flood of rain that washes the hellish flesh of the damned away, though Gaynor does get away. And so, as Elric is also heading for Yagala, the three decide to travel together, thus ending the issue. Everybody out! Okay, so first of all, I don't know if I am pronouncing the name Zombarg correctly. It's X-I-O-M-B-A-R-G. Zombarg. I I don't know. Zombarg sounds pretty awesome, though. But it does feel like a a wizard or, in this case, a a sorceress by the name of Zombarg should be controlling zombies, right? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But this issue was, uh, was okay. I was actually just super excited to read it because, well, it's got Elric in it. And while I've never really gotten into Elric too much, I thought maybe that this would be the issue that would pull me into Elric's camp. But in the end, the the issue just, it, it just ended up being a big disappointment for me. First of all, just look at Elric. Look at how they depict him in this issue. I mean... <laughs> I can't take him seriously at all because of his tall, pointy hat. Nice hat! And according to Barbarian Life, the literary biography of Conan the Barbarian, volume one. Wow, I had a hard time getting that out there at the end. Roy mentions that that hat, that big, tall, pointy hat, was their one big mistake in this issue. Apparently, as he tells it, the American publisher of the paperback Elric books in the 60s featured fully painted covers with Elric wearing a tall pointy hat. And Roy insisted that Barry included it in the comic, thinking, I guess that the hat was part of Elric's look. I mean, if he hadn't read any of the books and he's only going off the covers, of course, he's going to assume that. But, you know, turns out, nope, that's not part of his look at all. It may have been on the covers but it's they they've never apparently mentioned a pointy hat in any of the Elric stories. Now, as I said, I've never read an Elric book, and frankly, every image I can find of him online, he's wearing, well, if he's wearing any headgear at all, it's always some sort of winged helmet. But Roy and Barry thought the pointy hat thing was real, and it wasn't too late until they found out that it wasn't. But according to Roy, Moorcock has forgiven him. Personally, I I couldn't find but just one image of a paperback with Elric on the front of it wearing a pointy hat. The book was called Stormbringer, and it was published by Lancer in 1967. But, you know, I only looked for about three minutes because that's about as long as my research tolerance lasts. This is boring. Now, the second reason I found this issue a bit of a letdown was just how damn complicated it was. Because I get easily confused. Okay, so like last issue, this story was plotted by somebody else. Roy had written to English author and creator of Elric of Melnibene, Michael Moorcock, and asked if he wanted to plot an issue in which Conan and Elric team up. And Moorcock, with a, a little help from illustrator James Cawthorn, or a lot of help, I'm not sure which, They put a synopsis together and they sent it on to Roy. Well, when Roy got the plot, 
it was so complicated and character heavy that they had to stretch it out over two issues and they had to drop a few characters from the story. Now they added Zukala and Zephra and they also had to beef up some of Conan's action scenes. But otherwise, Roy himself found it a bit complicated. I mean, it's a two-parter, so there will be more in issue number 15, but damn, we have at least three big bads here that are mentioned in this issue that we're probably going to have to deal with at some point. You got Coolin Gath, who doesn't actually show up in the issue. He shows up as like a mystical image in Zukala's magic pool or fountain, I guess it is. We also have Zombarg, the queen of the chaos swords. And then we have Terhali, the green empress who, yeah, she's just a corpse or something at this point, but you know, she's coming to life to fight Elric and Conan at some point by the time this story ends. And then let's not forget Zombarg's lackeys like Prince Gaynor. I mean, it was a lot for one issue. And so, yeah, it just came off as kind of eh for me when it really came down to it. But with all that in mind, before we get into the issue itself and start looking at the various pages and whatnot, I, I feel like a quick bit of info about Elric is necessary in case folks out there are unaware of exactly who Elric is. And again, if I'm being honest, I have tried to read various comics and novels and whatnot featuring Elric, but I've just really never gotten into him. So the info I'm going to give you is coming straight off the internet and not at all from my brain. All right. So Elric is, according to Wikipedia, a fictional character created by English writer Michael Moorcock and the protagonist of a series of sword and sorcery stories taking place on an alternate earth. The proper name and title of the character is Elric VIII, 428th Emperor of Melnibene. Later stories by Moorcock marked Elric as a facet of the eternal champion. Elric is a person with albinism. He's physically weak, and he has to use drugs or special herbs to maintain his health and his vitality. In addition to his skill with herbs, Elric is an accomplished sorcerer and summoner. As emperor of Melnibene, Elric is able to call for aid upon the traditional patron, of the Melnibene emperors, Arioch, a lord of chaos and duke of hell. And from the first story, Elric uses ancient pacts and agreements with not only Arioch, but various other beings, some gods, some demons, to help him accomplish his tasks. Elric's discovery of the sword Stormbringer serves as both his greatest asset and disadvantage. The sword confers upon Elric strength, health, and fighting prowess, allowing him to do away with his dependence on drugs. But it must be fed by the souls of intelligent beings. In the end, the blade takes everyone close to Elric and eventually Elric's own soul as well. Most of Moorcock's stories about Elric feature this relationship with Stormbringer and how it, despite Elric's best intentions, brings doom to everything he holds dear. So yeah, he's a pretty dark character with a lot of flaws, and maybe that's why I've never been able to get into him too much. You know, I am more of a Superman guy than a Batman guy. We'll just put it that way. Superman! Superman! Wait, 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 where are you going? What the hell with him? But yeah, that's Elric of Mel Nibine. 
So this issue also marks the title's jump back to being published every other month, which ended up being a big help for both Barry Windsor Smith and Sal Buscema, who found that inking Barry's detailed pencils took much longer than normal, but sounds like they didn't stay every other month for long. Anyway, let's get into the book. Looking at the cover, we're still going through this phase where the cover is basically a solid color, in this case, red, and then there is an inset image, square image, in which there is a a scene depicted. You know, rather than being a full bleed cover where the scene or image on the front cover takes up the entire cover. But this has Conan standing on a rocky outcropping with a woman who would be Zephra, apparently, lying on the ground at his feet with her arms wrapped around his leg, one of his legs, because that's just what heroes and damsels in distress apparently did all the time back then. But Conan is looking up, and above him on another rocky outcropping is Elric with his dark sword, Stormbringer, and his red pointy hat, though it's it's green in the comic itself. Nice hat! We get a splash page that shows Zephra being chased by these men on these red horses with beaks, which if you've ever seen Thundar the Barbarian, one of Thundar's companions, Upla the Mock and Princess Ariel. His horse looks very similar to these horses here, the, 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 the beak part of it anyway. So yeah, splash page, Zephra being chased by these men in hoods, their faces and their hands, which stick out of the, the robes and hood, are covered by some kind of red mesh. And Conan is on a horse, the black horse that he got from the previous issue. And he's up on this rocky outcropping and he can see what's going on below him, these men who are after this woman. And so he rides down to attack. And it's kind of a funny little moment here. And I will act it out for you when Conan says... Ho, dogs, does it take four of you to slay one helpless female? Away, barbarian, or we'll deal with you as well. Aye, this day's deed is no affair of yours. Then let's say I make it mine, because I like the turn of this wench's leg. So, (laughs) therein lies the big question. Is Conan truly coming to this woman's aid because he thinks she's hot? Or is he covering to hide the fact that he's really interested in saving her because she's in trouble. And that's just what a a, a fellow would do is save a damsel in distress. But he doesn't want to admit that to the bad guys. I'm here to stop you because I am a hero. No, he's got to make it sound as if the only reason I'm here is because I want to get with her and you guys are standing in my way. And uh, I don't know. I think it's a little of both. That's, that's, That's what I think. But Conan starts fighting the guys and we actually have a panel here on page two the uh well the third and fourth panel the the third panel conan chops at one of these dudes his sword actually makes contact with the guy's back and we see that the the robes are ripping apart due to his sword blade and we see a little blood spurting out and then in the next panel panel 4 he's slicing across another of these dudes and blood is actually spraying all over the place but again it's black it's black blood which I can't be 100% about this theory, but I feel like they're okay showing these blood splatters as long as it's black and not red. And if that's the case, I think I've said it before, I think black blood is is way more creepy than red blood. 
anyway, one of these hooded men, they take out their sword and it says, long enough for a sword to lightly touch, oh, so very lightly, yet to terrifying effect. And yeah, they just basically graze Conan with one of their swords and he just goes down. He just pitches headlong off of his horse into the grass and he's not completely down. He's 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 not unconscious or anything. He's not out cold, but the blades were poisoned or something just enough to knock him off the horse and feel a bit weak. And that's when the flight of white eagles attack. And, you know, here, here's the thing. I, I use the synopsis from over at marvelfandom.com. That's what I normally use. And I, I tend to do a bit of rewriting, but they referred to these eagles as a giant or a flock of giant eagles. And really, they don't look any bigger than regular sized eagles, but whatever. And so, yeah, it's here that we find out that this woman is Zephra. She's the daughter of the wizard Zukala from issue number five, Zukala's daughter. She's the one, if you remember, that can turn into a tiger. Zukala was the masked wizard who was running a, a protection racket against some Zamoran village. And Conan is given money by the village to go kill the wizard. But Zephra takes Conan back to her place where he meets up with Zukala, who is now, he doesn't, he doesn't have the mask anymore. Cause if you remember Conan cracked him in the mask with his sword and split the mask in half. And without it, he no longer has the, the magic powers that the mask gave him. He still has some, he can still do a few things, but not a lot. But he has aged rapidly into an old man. He's he's bald with a Lou Grant haircut. And he's got a scar going down the left hand of his face right over his eye, basically. is His eye is dead, his left eye with a, with a scar going down his face. And he tells Conan about this wizard, Kulin Gath. And Kulin Gath is a, is a name that I totally recognize, but... I'll give you a little bit of history of this dude. He goes, uh, well, he was first introduced in this issue, but he goes on to be the main foe of Red Sonya in her series. He does make a couple of appearances in the main Marvel 616 universe, uh, first being Marvel Team Up number 70 from December of 1978, with uh, where Spider-Man teams up with Red Sonya. Kulin Gath has this amulet that contains his essence that is in a museum. And I think a security guard touches it and he turns into Kulin Gath and Red Sonya needs to come into our world to fight him. So she uses Mary Jane Watson and Mary Jane becomes Red Sonya. And then her and Spider-Man team up and they end up winning and Spider-Man throws the amulet into the ocean. The amulet is then recovered by a dock worker, I think, in X-Men number 188. And then that leads to the events uh, of, of X-Men 190 and 191, which is a great two-issue storyline. This is where I first encountered Kulin Gath. And he comes into our world and he places a magic wall around the island of Manhattan. And everything within the island of Manhattan becomes basically like a the Hyborian age and some of the Avengers and the X-Men were trapped in there when this happened. So like Steve Rogers, Captain America, he's got his shield, but he's also got a sword and he's, he's very Conan like, and it's a, it's a really good two issues. It's 
Chris Claremont, I believe is the writer probably because he wrote everything on the X-Men back then. And uh, John Romita Jr. was the penciler. It's really good. But the Coolin Gath appearance here is for me, it's really quite interesting because again, this is his first appearance. And according to Roy in Barbarian Life, the literary biography of Conan the Barbarian, volume number one, he was created by Moorcock and Cawthorn for this story. But he went on, as I said, to be a, a Red Sonia character. And when Dynamite took over the Red Sonia license, that included having the rights to use Coolin Gath. And I find that really curious because typically when a character is created for a Marvel story, it's then owned by Marvel. And yet he's owned by whomever owns the Red Sonia license, which at this point is Dynamite. And I really wish I could find out why. But once again, my three-minute research tolerance could find absolutely nothing at all. Boring. Except I, I did find uh, a quote from one article that says, because he first appeared in Conan the Barbarian number 14, he isn't owned by Marvel Comics. And yeah, I guess that tells you why. It tells you that because the appearance was in Conan, he's not owned by Marvel Comics, but it doesn't really specify. It doesn't, doesn't answer my question to my satisfaction. I guess whatever deal Marvel had with the Conan people, anything that was created for Conan became property of the Conan people. And since the, Con I, I don't know if the Conan people also owned Red Sonja. I, I just don't know how it all worked because even though he was created in a Conan comic, he was then moved as a main character or a main protagonist or a main antagonist in the Red Sonja books, which is a separate license. And so I guess ownership of that character automatically moved from the Conan people to the Red Sonja? I, I don't know. It's it's all very, very weird and complicated. And it would be nice if somebody could explain it to me in a way that would make sense. That doesn't make sense. Back to the comic book, however. Zukala tells Conan about this sorceress, the Green Empress, Terhali, daughter of the king in a world called Melnibane. She's a she-demon summoned to this mortal plane and a fearful sorceress in her own right. She was killed slash not killed, put into stasis, comatose, whatever, and locked away in this city of Yagala in this dank, dark, dank tomb in the city of Yagala. And then her enemies, her mystical wizard-like enemies, then moved the city of Yagala from Melnibane in the past to a thousand or so years later, but into the Hyborian universe, into, into that world. And even that wasn't enough because then they caused uh, rain to fall in such a way that the valley where the city was placed uh, filled with water. And so the city is underwater and it's it's now called the Sighing Lake. And there are bits of the city, the tallest towers that poke up out of the water. And you can see that everything is made from solid gold, which is how they get Conan to help. Because he basically says, look, Coolangath wants to get into this city and wants to wake up Terhali or steal her magic or whatever. Whatever he's going to do, it's, it's, it's not going to be good. And in doing so, he may tear the very fabric of time and space. And Conan doesn't really care about that, but he likes the idea of getting that gold. 
And so there's this moment here where Zukala has Conan hold out his sword and he grabs a hold of the blade and cuts himself and bleeds on it. And he enchants Conan's sword because he says, most of the foes you're going to go up against while you're on this little mission will be magical and mystical and supernatural and enchanted. And so you're going to need an enchanted blade to deal with them. But this issue that only comes up once. And when it's, it's, it's when he's fighting Elric and, and we'll, we'll get to that. It's after Conan and Zephra leave that we learn of the existence of this woman, Zombarg, who is the queen of the chaos swords. And she's got all these knights with her who are really demons from hell or something. And she wants Terhali or at least the magic or whatever for herself. And so she sends Prince Gaynor, who is the guy who is the head of her hellish horde of soldiers. She sends him forth to go stop Conan. But Conan then meets Elric, who who pops out of nowhere through like a freaking blinding flash. And Conan assumes just looking at the guy, oh, well, he's a bad guy, so I better go fight him because he popped out of a flash of light. So he's mystical. That means he's one of these guys that I have to go up against. And they fight for a bit. Conan at one point, chops Elric across the chest, but his blade does nothing to which Conan is super surprised about. But Elric's like, well, isn't that what armor's for? <laughs> and Conan's like, well, yeah, but my sword is enchanted. You know what? Never mind. And they keep fighting. There's a bit of information given to us about Stormbringer, Elric's sword, because Conan refers to the sword say, saying he, he's his blade is howling, which is is not something he's he's ever heard before. There's this really annoying thing in here where, despite the fact that eventually Conan and Elric learn each other's names, they first refer to each other as uh, Elric calls Conan Wild Mane because apparently his hair is crazy and wild. And then Conan calls Elric Pale Skin. Now, they don't do this every time they talk to each other, but it's rare that they refer to each other as Elric or Conan. It's always wild mane or barbarian or pale skin or, or whatnot. It's just, it's really dumb, but they end up fighting Gaynor and all his hellish minions and they're losing until Zephra calls out to her father to help her invoke the name and sucker. That's S U C C O R not S U C K E R of Sarusha, goddess of rain and driving storm. And the rain comes down and these demon men don't like baths. They don't like showers. If they get wet, the, the flesh is washed from their bones and that drives them all away, except for Prince Gaynor, who escapes. I will say the moment that Elric and Conan decide to stop fighting is really funny because this is your typical, we, we're all... Well, I don't want to say that we're all readers of superhero books, but for those of us who are, we know how these team-ups work. The two heroes meet each other for the first time and automatically assume they're enemies and they start fighting and eventually they realize they're on the same side and so they team up because people are more interested in seeing Spider-Man fight Captain America than Spider-Man teaming up with Captain America. They want, to, they want that question answered. Who could win in a fight? And so, of course, the same thing happens here. Who's going to win in a fight between Conan and Elric? And just like the superhero team-ups, the question is never really answered. Eventually, they determine 
that they are friends. And the way that that happens here is as they are battling, Conan says, what manner of man does Zombarg send against us? Or are you rather Kulin Gath's minion? And Elric says, I am no servant of the Queen of Chaos Swords, nor have I ever heard of the other you name. Perhaps we should cease our fruitless struggles and bandy with words a while instead. And they're grappling with each other as this conversation is happening. And then the very next page is the very next panel. And they're just standing there and they're like, oh, and Conan and Conan just goes, I am Conan, a Sumerian. Your name was Elric. And then suddenly they're buddies again. Uh, again, this story was okay. It was all right. It, it didn't really do a lot for me. And we'll see what the next issue does. Issue number 15 when we get to that. But I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you about this one. It was it was okay. The art was what basically what we've been seeing so far in all these Conan books. Nothing really to say about the art. It's not getting any worse. It's not getting any better. It's just it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's freaking Barry Windsor Smith inked by Sal Buscema. It looks pretty nice. I've said that before, but yeah, I don't think there's anything else I want to say about it. What about y'all? Did you enjoy this one? Were you excited to see Elric? Were you horrified seeing him in the pointy hat? Nice hat! Let me know, else at gmail.com. And this is the point in the show that I would say, and speaking of which, how about we talking about listeners' feedback? And then that music plays. <laughs> but we're not going to do that this week because... I don't, I don't have any feedback. So instead, we're just going to wrap it all up. How about that? How about we do that? Next week, we should have the third issue of the Titan Conan the Barbarian comic to talk about. And then the following week, we'll be talking about Conan the Barbarian number 15, the Green Empress of Melnibene. It always sounds really weird to my head when I'm saying that. It sounds like I'm saying Melbibene. Melnibene. It looks like Melnibone, but it's pronounced Melnibene. The Green Empress of Melnibene from February of 1972. Until then, folks, keep your swords close by and never stop treading them jeweled thrones. Bye. Hither Came Conan is a Stephen or Else production. Find more podcasts at stephenorelse.com. Questions and comments can be directed to stephenorelse at gmail.com. Find me online at Twitter, Spoutable, and Instagram by searching for at stephenorelse. And join my newsletter, Stephen Says Stuff, at list.justanotherfanboy.com. This is a free substack where I will send every single podcast episode I host right to your inbox the morning that they are released. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month over at the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Stephen R. Orr. And in return, I'm going to do my very best to give you and your fellow patrons podcast episodes just like this one before anybody else. I also encourage you to rate this show wherever available and share this episode with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. Did Conan fight? Honor and fear were heaped upon his name. In time, he became a king by his own hand. This story shall also be told. I just don't think I can move through life knowing that a guy named Steven did this to me. Enough talk!